What is going on, all of you beautiful people? Welcome into the Harbor Continuing the Conversation podcast with yours truly, Pastor Chris Stephen. I am in a great mood today. I don't know what it is about this beautiful day, but I'm in a great mood, which is not to say that I'm not typically in a great mood. I am typically in a great mood most all the time. But uh, today specifically, in a really great mood, God is good, and I'm excited about what we're going to do today, or if you're listening to this and it's nighttime tonight, and how we're going to wrap up this collection of talks called Follow Me. Before we get to that, though, I, I have to reiterate that remember, we are so close so close to the deadline for our feedable program and our partnership with them for this season. And so make sure you bring in your groceries this week or next week. If you have the opportunity to drop by the Harbor, be sure to do that because we want to be able to bless that department. There are a lot of stupid students on campus who struggle financially with being able to buy groceries. And so this place is feedable, uh, department allows students to come in who cannot afford groceries and to uh, to grab groceries that they need. And so it's a great blessing for us to be able to partner with them. Also, make sure you mark on your calendar, November 15th, that's a Tuesday night, 8 p.m. We are having our second annual Harbor Friendsgiving. It's gonna be an awesome time. We're gonna get some turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes, all the traditional Thanksgiving food that we know and love. So we're going to do that. It's going to be an awesome time. So make sure you invite somebody November, November 15th, 8 p.m., our second annual Harbor Friendsgiving. It's going to be at the Harbor. I know last year we had our first annual one and we did it at my house and my wife's house, but we are anticipating more people coming this year. And so we wanted to be able to move locations. So be on the lookout for that. And that's all I got to say about announcements. I know you don't tune in to hear announcements or to hear upcoming events, but I had to get it off, that off my chest. Nevertheless, here we go. The final installation, installation, installment. That's the word I'm looking for. Final installment of Follow Me. Okay, well, if you've been listening in to the last few episodes, you are well aware that we are in a different collection of talks. We have moved from the collection discussing the harbor and that it's a place you come to, it's a place you go from. And over the last few weeks, we've been discussing what it looks like to follow Jesus. Now, if you remember, Jesus is calling his first disciples to follow him. And what does he say? He says, Hey, follow me. And so these disciples do. And so as followers of Jesus, we are also to follow Jesus. We're also needing to look at the things of Jesus, be taught the things of Jesus, and then do those things. And so we've been looking at a few of the things in this last couple of weeks. The first week, you can go back and listen to that episode. It was on Sabbath and and rest and the neurological and the physical and the uh, psychological and emotional responses to 
us getting rest, us having a Sabbath and being with God. Last week, or last episode, I should say, we discussed prayer and the frustration that prayer oftentimes comes with. We don't necessarily hear God or it, our, our prayers aren't answered the way we want to or you know those kind of things come up. And again, we, we discussed the, the simplicity of prayer, that it doesn't have to be difficult, that it can be short and Jesus gives us kind of a template we can pray and that it is beneficial when we pray. It's beneficial to us because it allows us the relational dynamic that we're meant to have with God. It's not so much transactional as it, as it is relational with God. That prayer is not just about getting our requests or our desires, our hopes, and, and our wants met. Not that those are not important. God gives good gifts, but rather to be with God and to enjoy his presence, regardless of whether he speaks or not, is the fundamental position of prayer. And so as we move into this final episode, this last installment of the Follow Me collection, I want to talk about serving. Now, for you as a generation that are listening to this, my generation is the millennial generation. For most of you listening to this, you are you fall in the category of Generation Z. And so both of our generations have been equipped and pretty much ingrained into the very fiber of our being what it looks like to serve. And whether you realize it or not, you have been serving in some capacity since high school. For most of you, it, is, it has come through that avenue. It has come through maybe a club that you were a part of, or it has come through the reality of why well, I'm applying for other schools and they need to see not just my academics, but they need to see the extracurricular activities I've participated in. They also need to see how much time I've given to the institution in which I was at in my high school days. And so a lot of the times our service during those times can be, a, we, we're desiring a result. We're desiring something from that serving. But have you ever really put a ton of effort, a ton of time, and ton of intention into why you serve? Hopefully on this episode, we're gonna be able to discuss this and, and, and hopefully at the end of this, you're gonna be at a different place than when you began. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be turning to the book of 1 Peter. This is the Apostle Peter writing this. Some could say Jesus' best friend during the time, these three years that, that Jesus was doing miracles and healings and so forth, preaching. And so the, the Apostle Peter is writing this. And here's what it says, 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in Verse four, here we go. And I'm reading in the NIV standard version. It says this, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture, it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, 
a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Every summer for the church that the harbor is a part of, we do a camp for middle school and high school students. And I was the director of this camp for five or six years, I want to say, somewhere around there. Very tiring camp, exhausting camp. And I've been a part of camps for most of my life, grew up at camp, and it's an exhausting camp. And a lot of the exhaustion, though, comes because the whole point of the camp is to be out in the community and serve the community. There has been a partnership with Hillsborough County, with Pasco County to help people who are unable to cut their grass or do the yard to cut those things so they don't get fined. We serve with Metropolitan Ministries. There's some other ministries that we're a part of. Pyramid is an incredible special needs ministry that we are connected with at this camp. And so the whole goal is to get our students out there serving and serving for the name of Jesus, that the community can see how important following Jesus is. And being the director for five or so years, I kind of was worn out of it. So when I transitioned into the position I'm in now, you kind of leave something. You're like, man, I am kind of glad to be out of that season. (laughs) However, the person that was appointed in the director position is somebody that I truly trust and I truly love. And she's an incredible, gifted, and organized individual when it comes to this camp. And so she had begged and begged, I think for like a year and a half, hey, Chris, you need to do this. And I'm like, no, I'm done. I did it. I did my time. I served. I was a crew leader. I drove kids around and did work with them. I'm done. Oh, my wife, this is like the highlight of her year. She loves to serve along these kids, along with these kids. I... I don't get it, but she loves it. And so I finally relented to the request of being a crew leader. And I really, honestly, um, I was really questioning my decision going into this, this, this camp. So the first day comes and uh, we had been given a, 12 passenger van and a, a, a pretty decent sized crew. I want to say it was like 10 kids plus my wife and I, and these kids range from sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th graders. Uh, and then we have, I think we had two 
uh, high school uh, juniors in the crew. And I remember going out to the work site the first day, kind of teaching these kids how to use a lawnmower. I'm like, a lot of these kids have no clue how to run a lawnmower. Maybe you don't. <laughs> Maybe we need to work on that. You can DM me uh, and I'll uh, help you learn how to start a lawnmower if that's, that's, your, that's your position. No judgment here. But a lot of these kids don't know how to, to mow a lawn or, 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 or cut the weeds out or anything like that. And so as the day went on, it was awesome because I was teaching these kids how to do real life things things that they typically are not used to. A lot of these kids come from backgrounds where they have yard people that do their work for them. When I was a kid, you went out and did it. But nowadays, you can have somebody you, you, that comes out and do it. You may have the financial stability to do that. And so a lot of these kids have that. Their parents have that financial stability. So that's not the point. The point is, as we were doing this, there was something inside of me that changed. Some, something shifted during the first day. And I realized that God was teaching me a valuable lesson. He was humbling me. That the very thing that I was kind of really being selfish about, not wanting to do it, God humbled me by saying your selflessness, by serving these kids, even something as simple as teaching them how to start a lawnmower. It's discipling them. It's teaching them how to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And I was able to have conversations with these kids. I was able to sit down and talk about their family life and their spiritual life. To teach them how to use certain tools. And it was an absolute just game changer for me. And I realized that part of my human construct in the core and the fabric of my DNA, I am designed as a human to serve, to serve humanity, to serve the cosmos, to serve the world. And when it comes to faith, when we come into a relationship with Jesus, we take on that responsibility of working alongside of him for humanity, for the world, for the cosmos. In fact, scriptures tell us we are co-laborers with Christ. And so every one of us has gifts. We have abilities. And those gifts are used to help the church and the surrounding community so that we can proclaim the excellence of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Now, when we read that scripture in 1 Peter, again, we have to understand that Jesus was really close to Peter. There was a lot of relational dynamics that went on with Peter. Peter denies Jesus. Jesus scolds Peter. Jesus forgives Peter. But one of the things that I want to point out to you or point to us in our time is 1 Peter 2.9. Now we've all heard the first part of this scripture and a lot of the argumentation around predestination and foreknowledge is surrounding this scripture verse. And then we typically 
typically choose this scripture verse. Now, there are other scriptures to argue for predestination or foreknowledge, whatever. That's not why we're here today. That's not the point of this episode. But I want to point out again, the back half of that. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Peter's reasoning for writing this letter is to encourage his readers who were facing persecution for their faith to stand firm. So in this day and age, there, and I say this day and age, I mean Peter's day and age, there was a massive amount of persecution if you identified yourself as a follower of Jesus. You got to keep in mind, Christianity did not become a legal religion until Constantine in 300, 340 legalized it in the Roman Empire. In fact, a lot of the Roman emperors believed that Christianity would be the overthrow of the Roman Empire. And so there was a lot of persecution with this new religion, this, this new thing called the way. In fact, nothing has really changed in 2000 years, give or take from this letter. There are brothers and sisters around the world who are being persecuted for their faith, being persecuted for their following Jesus. People are, are losing their lives. People are being beheaded. People are, are being in, in, in trenched in firing squads. These things are happening. In fact, I heard it recently said that in the church in Iran, that there is a document that, that as a follower of Jesus, when you come to Jesus, you sign so that the church is not liable for your death. The church is not liable for your family's death. I'd be curious of how many of us listening to this would sign that same document in our day and age. Now, I know that's hypothetical because the freedom to worship Jesus here in the United States, it's, it's open and we may be get made fun of or spit at or whatever, but it's nothing compared to some of our brothers and sisters. And so for, for, for people living in persecuted areas, man, this letter currently still is very relevant to them. And it was to the people in Peter's day. So if you identified yourself as a follower of Jesus, there was persecution. So Peter wanted to clarify what the nature and the purpose of the church is for. In fact, uh, I think David Shork says it wisely. He's an author. He says this, Christ's priesthood creates a new class of royal priest, whereas the whole nation of Israel was called a, quote, royal priest, end quote, in Exodus 19.6. Now in Christ's new covenant, the, the title, quote, royal priesthood, end quote, is reapplied to the church. This means that all sons of glory, found in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, 
can serve as priests. Thus, in Christ, the church becomes a, quote, royal priesthood, end quote, and a, quote, holy nation, end quote. And that's found in 1 Peter 2, 5 and 9. Moreover, service unto the Lord is considered in terms associated with the priesthood and temple, quote, living sacrifices found in Romans 12, 1 through 2, quote, a drink offering, end quote, Philippians 2, 2 17, quote, the circumcision, end quote, Philippians 3, 3, quote, living stones, end quote, 1 Peter 2, 5. And additionally, evangelism is presented in priestly terms, Romans 15, 16, 1 Peter 2, 10. And the final goal of Christ's work is to make his people a kingdom of priests. You can find this in Revelation 1, 6, 5, 10, and 26. We are to imitate Christ in his holiness, in his devotion to the Father's house, and in his commitment to the word of God. Discipleship to Christ, therefore, is a priestly calling. When we serve the church, when we as followers of Jesus serve the church and we serve the people in our surrounding community, we display the glory of Jesus and it shows It testifies that we are indeed different. That being a follower of Jesus, we are, quote, royal priests. And we share in the work of Jesus. Each and every one of us that are found as followers of Jesus are priests now. And so it's important to point out a point today, a truth a fact that serving others, it's an expression of Jesus. It's an expression of Jesus. Listen to what the gospel of Mark chapter 10 says, starting in verse 42. Now, just to give you a little context with this, James and John, two brothers, they're kind of, asking, well, really they get mom. I think that's funny. They get mom to ask Jesus if they can sit at the right hand and left hand of Jesus when they get to heaven. And so the disciples, the rest of them find out about this and they're, they're mad. They're indignant. They're ticked. In fact, there's a scuffle that breaks out. And Jesus This is what what happens with Jesus as a scuffle breaks out. Jesus calls them together and said, you know, that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life for a ransom for many. As as followers of Jesus, we are the representation of Jesus on earth and Jesus proclaims himself. He proclaims that if you truly want to be great, you must be willing to serve. You must be willing to be a servant. Because what did he say? Even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. Now, 
again, that does not come easy to our generation of people who are more than likely, maybe this is not everybody, this could be a broad brushstroke, but more than likely, we have some narcissistic tendencies. And you're probably thinking, all right, should I hit the stop button? Me, narcissistic? No way. I am not that at all. By the way, you're thinking of yourself there. I just think that's funny because I thought the same thing. No way am I narcissistic. But let me read to you the definition of narcissism. Narcissism. Having an excessive or erotic interest in oneself and one's physical appearance. Okay, well, you may be saying, well, Chris, an excessive or erotic interest in myself or my appearance? Ah, maybe not. Not really. Yeah, okay, I care about the way I dress, sure. But to have an excessive care about it? I don't know. That doesn't sound like me. Let me read you some of the other things that come about from this definition. Some synonyms from narcissism. Self-absorbed. Self-obsessed. Self-centered. Anything ringing a bell yet? So self-absorbed, self, uh, self-obsessed, self-centered, in love with oneself, wrapped up in oneself. Any of this hitting home yet? I know for me, when it comes to my own life, when it comes to serving, yeah, I can, I, I can be really self-absorbed. I just told you a story earlier in this episode about my, my, my ability to be self-absorbed. I'm, I, listen, listen, we are on the journey together here. If you think I have it all figured out because I have the title pastor in front of my first name, you, you've got it misunderstood. I'm still trying to figure this out. And not always do I, do I have it figured out. That's why we need each other. You can say, hey, Chris, you flubbed on this one. Yeah, man, you're right. And vice versa. In fact, I want you to do this experiment. The next time you take a group photo with, with people, we're having holidays come up, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. The next time you have a group photo together, when you see the photo, I want you to try not to look at yourself. <laughs> you want to know if you're narcissistic or not? Try looking at a photo, a group photo. When you get it, try not looking at yourself. It's hard to do. We live in a self-obsessed self-centered culture, self-absorbed culture. In fact, I would argue, and I don't have a ton of time to argue with it today, but I would argue that the church has not helped in this self-absorption or self-obsession, self-centeredness. Why do you ask? Because in a lot of ways, the church in today has been a lot about self-love. Well, you got to love yourself. You got to love yourself. You got to think good of yourself. You got to have positive thoughts to yourself. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm not saying you should be uh, nihilistic or fatalistic or whatever about yourself or uh, uh, a sadist with yourself. I'm not saying that, excuse me. But what I am saying is I think it's fascinating when you look at scripture, when we talk about self, 
Even Jesus says, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. That's a complete reversal of what we're being taught in the church of to love yourself. Now, I think it's easy to be led astray and say, well, you shouldn't love yourself. No, we recognize that God loves us and it's him in us. And so when we love God, we end up having a a love for our, an appreciation for the gift of life, the gift of ourselves. But when it comes to following Jesus, it's about denying yourself. And so these two things are in constant contention with each other. Here's the deal. When it comes to narcissism in the church, when it comes to those things, when it comes to narcissism in your serving, if you're not careful, you can serve to get something from it instead of what you've been given. And so oftentimes we will serve at what we're receiving instead of what we're giving. And again, partially, this is not your fault. You've grown up in a generation where you've been dangled in front of you a carrot to say, hey, if you do this, if you serve this way, you get hours, you're able to add this to your, your, your resume so that when colleges see it, they're more impressed with you. And so you've been given a, 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 a carrot in front of you. And again, it's not completely your fault, but that does not mean you are exempt. It does not mean I am exempt from the reality of serving within the self-absorbed nature. We have to be very diligent and very conscious that we're serving out of something that's been given to us. And so it's the outpouring of our being because of Jesus's outpouring in our lives. Two sociologists, they wrote a book on Generation Z discussing service. And uh, the names are Corey Seemuller and Megan Grace. And this is what they say in this book on Generation Z about servant serving says, uh, quote, the prevalence of service opportunities likely explains why nearly 90% of generation Z students have frequently engaged in community service as high school seniors. However, more than half of these students indicate that their community service work was required as a part of a class. Since they have arrived in college, either the mentality for volunteerism has changed or the opportunity to engage in it has one study notes that a third believe there is a perfect chance that they will participate in community service in college. And another puts that number just over half. But when it comes to actually volunteering versus planning to volunteer, that number drops to 6% for participants in our study. Now they go on to state the their counterparts, their peers, the millennial generation. This is what they say about that. Generation Z students' participation in volunteerism differs vastly from that of the millennial students. 
where we found that Generation Z students engage in volunteering at lower rates compared to other engagement activities, the primary form of activism for millennials has been focused primarily on service. One study found that 65% of millennials had engaged in service sometime during the 12 month prior to the study and said that they engage in service because it makes them feel like they are helping people. Now, I just put that up there this show and to give you a parallelism of the generations. You and I need to understand that our willingness to serve is a witness to the reality that Jesus is Lord. That by serving others, we are showing others and expressing the love of Jesus to people. And when we serve out of who we are in Jesus, when we lay down our own self-absorbed natures and we move towards becoming like Jesus, who came to serve and not to be served, we start to behave and to look like Jesus to people who do not know Jesus. If you are able to attend on Tuesday, man, we have some incredible teams that you can serve on. We have an incredible tech team that will teach you all of the things that you need to know. We need greeters. We need more greeters to, to be the message before the message, to, to welcome people into our midst, to connect people to people. We need people, more people to, to capture images and to create graphics so that we can proclaim the message and the excellencies of him to people who are not connected yet. We need people to go out on a street team and to evangelize and to tell people about the love of Jesus, to table at Bulls Market, to table at UT and to connect people to the ministry so that when they show up, we have people that connect them to people. And then we have worship team. We have a worship team that you can connect to. If you have the ability to sing or to play an instrument and do it at a high rate, man, you, you can serve in that way. Don't get caught up. Don't get handcuffed with feeling like, well, if I, if I serve the church, I have to get something from it. I need a carrot at the end of the stick. That's, that's, that's a big misnomer. That if you serve in the church, you're going to get a job from it. You're going to get money from it. Again, that's not serving. That's narcissism. And we serve because we're selfless. We serve because we're, we're meant to be an expression of what Jesus has done in our lives to those who he's still working on. And so we follow him and serve him. Well, that was our final installment of the follow me collection. And out of all three of these, I hope you learned something. I hope you got something out of it. And again, we're all working on this. That's the point of being together. We're all working on what it looks like to serve, what it looks like to pray, what it looks like to Sabbath. And that's all we can do together is to do it together is to just practice it. So that's this collection. I'm really, um, really thrilled with our next collection. 
of talks starting next week. If you can make it to the harbor, man, it's going to be awesome. Um, we're going to start a new collection called Residing in Babylon. And we're going to take a look at a person named Daniel. And if you grew up in the church, you're probably familiar with some of these stories. But we're going to take a different twist. We're going to look at the cultural context of where Daniel and his friends lived and how we kind of live in a modern day Babylon. And so we're going to look at that starting next episode, next week at the Harbor. So make sure you come on out 8 p.m. Tuesday nights, invite a friend. Don't forget November 15th, second annual Friendsgiving at the Harbor. And finally, make sure you bring in your groceries. Let us serve in this way. Let us bless our community. Let us be an expression of Jesus's love to those who need Jesus's love. Till next time, Pastor Chris, I'm out.